Hi, and welcome to the Christian Fundamentals Foundations course. As we journey through these lessons together, my hope is that your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ will find meaningful expression and lead you on to maturity and fruitfulness in your walk with Him. I trust that this lesson will guide and encourage your heart. Once again, folks, I'm going to ask you if you can, cameras on, it'd be nice to eyeball you tonight. And where I'd like to start this evening is by just recapping on a few points from last week's lesson. Pastor Frank did a really great job, but these two lessons kind of go together. You know, discussing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's quite a vast subject, and we can go down a lot of rabbit holes, and it's it's quite hard, I'll be honest, to keep it really concise. And uh, we want to give you a good understanding of what it means and what the experience involves. Um, but there is so much more to explore and there's so much more to, to say and to research. So I encourage you, even in your own time, to go and, go and do some more research, to do some more reading, go look into the scriptures and the context that we share tonight um, and that these notes have shared. Just a few things I want to highlight from last week's lesson. And the first one is this. When we talk about Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit, we need to, in our mind's eye, understand that we're talking about a person, the third person of the Trinity. All right. His name is Holy Spirit. And so he's not some mystical spook out there. He's a person. He's the, he's the means through which Jesus or God reveals themselves to us. When Jesus said, I'm going to go away and it's a good thing for you that I go because if I don't, Holy Spirit won't come. And by him, the works that I do, you will do, and even greater works, because I go to my Father. And so there's this wonderful expectation that we have, that as we got to, as the disciples got to know the person of Jesus, that they would get to know the empowering person of the Holy Spirit in the, in the same kind of way. The second point I want to just highlight from last week is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a free gift. Uh, so in other words, it's not something we can earn. It's something we receive through faith. And that Holy Spirit is a gift giver. He comes bearing gifts. We all have an auntie like that. Okay. And every time we got, my kids love to go to granny and grandpa's house because they know granny is like the Holy Spirit. She brings gifts. And my and, and grandpa is like grandpa used to come with things in his pockets, with sweets in his pockets. And so he used to come into our house and say to the kids, Look, there's something in my pocket. And they'd stick their hands and they'd come up with a sweet and they were all excited. Until one day he didn't quite realize he came to our house and suddenly found hands in his pockets. And there was great disappointment because there were no sweets there. He hadn't thought about it. So he created this expectation. Well, Holy Spirit comes with sweets in his pockets. Okay. And he manifests himself through gifts. He is not the gift. He is the gift giver. He is the operator of the gifts. Does that make sense? And so these gifts work through intimacy with him. And last week, we discussed the difference between the indwelling spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which happens when we come to salvation, where Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. He is the seal of our, of our salvation. Uh, and he works in us wisdom and transformation and the fruit of the spirit. And then there is an additional experience, a separate experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you and I can effectively demonstrate Christ's com compassion, his victory and authority. In other words, we are equipped to fulfill the Great Commission. And it comes with bearing gifts. And those are some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. So, so now we're looking at lesson number eight, which is the last lesson on the doctrine of baptisms. We've defined what baptism is. We've discussed water baptism. And this is our second lesson on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We also, in the first lesson, spoke about baptism into one body and baptism into fire, which we're not going to really drill down deeply into in this course. So, so now we're going to round out baptisms. So, upon completion of this lesson, each student should have a clear understanding of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, as well as how to receive and flow in this wonderful gift. So, last week was really laying a platform 
for us to get into the more practical things that we're going to cover tonight. So the first thing that I want to cover is the prerequisites to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first one of which is that we must be born again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is only for those who already have a relationship with Jesus. This is a relational thing. And in, in John chapter 14, Jesus makes this clear when he says, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. This is in John 14, 16 and 17. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Isn't that incredible? He says to his disciples, you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. And so we see here that in order to receive the baptism, the empowerment, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we need to have a relationship with him already, with God, with Jesus. I'm reminded as I'm, I'm sharing, I've never really tied these two together before, but they go together. There was a guy called Simon in the book of Acts who saw what uh, Peter and John were doing and the wonderful miracles they were working by the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw the signs and the wonders. And so they, he came up and he was a sorcerer and he offered them money for this gift. And they said, you don't know what you are asking for. You don't understand. You can't receive this. You're not a believer. You understand. And so they denied him. This wasn't some kind of gift that you can buy. It comes through relationship. The second prerequisite to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is hunger and thirst. And this is actually a really important aspect. Okay. This is where I want to place a bit more emphasis this evening. Why? Because Holy Spirit will not force himself on anyone. We often hear people say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Well, it depends on the context. Ananias and Sapphira maybe have a different opinion. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is power, and he, he's not limited necessarily by your wants or will or desires. You, you do not place a limiting, you're not a limiting factor to him. But the Holy Spirit will respect your will. And God never forces his will upon us, right? Judgment can come. That's what happened in the case of Ananias and Sapphira. But God didn't assert his will upon them. And likewise with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is why many people can go for years and years in their Christian life and never experience this. They're saved. They're born again. There's evidence. There's the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. But they've never desired that additional element. Even like Natasha prayed this evening, there's something in them that resists. That can be because of indoctrination. That can be because of spiritual upbringing. And I'll share my testimony concerning that towards the end of the lesson. Because I had some stuff to get over. I had some stuff to unlearn before I could really learn about this flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And God in that period never forced himself on me. But... He desires that we hunger and thirst after him. And so in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39, it says this, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts. All right? So he's standing in the multitude, and right up front, he puts the if. In other words, what I'm about to say is conditional upon your desire. Let him come to me and drink. He who believes, we'll get into that shortly, in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, this idea of rivers is, a, is also significant, okay? What does a river do? It flows, all right? A river is a body of water that flows along a conduit. Does that make sense? The conduit can, can, can stop, can dam up that river, right? It's, it's ground, it's stuff, it, it, it's a path that it follows. It's a... It's an area through which water flows. Is it probably a really good definition of a river? Now, Jesus is comparing you and I 
to a river. The water is his spirit. We are the conduits or the avenues through which he wants a river to flow. Not a trickle or a stream, not to just be a reservoir, but be conduits. At the, at the salvation experience, a believer receives a deposit of the Holy Spirit. Like I've said, he comes to live within us. We're saved. Just, he's sealed us. We can be led by God. We can hear his voice. In other words, so there's a measure or a reservoir of his personal presence, ministering life and salvation to our souls. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what causes that reservoir, that deposit, to become a river of living water that is able to minister the same life-giving power to others. And the next analogy comes out of a conference that I went to many years ago, Reinhard Bonker. He's since gone on to be with the Lord, but he is probably stands alongside Billy Graham as one of the greatest evangelists of our time. He knew that he was called to Africa, and he led many crusades. He's led millions to the Lord. And I attended one of his conferences once, and he says, you know, when we think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so often we think of ourselves as the recipients that we need to fill up in this reservoir. Uh, and then there's this overflowing that happens. But he says he's learned along the way that the science of our reservoir should never be the limiting factor to God. He always thinks of it this way, that we are like a tap. The reservoir is the Holy Spirit. It's, it's inconceivable in greatness. But we are the taps, the avenues, the faucets through which he desires to pour himself out. We get to be filled. I mean, when a tap pours water, the tap itself becomes filled with the substance through, that flows through it. So there's an experience there. But the tap controls the flow. And you and I control the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can yield ourselves to him or we can resist him. Amen. And this is where hunger and thirst comes in. Those who desire to flow in the things of the spirit, to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to flow and to nurture the gifts of the Holy Spirit will grow in intimacy with him and in their experience of those gifts will grow. Those who don't won't. It's just that simple. So in other words, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to communicate, is not something that just sort of comes upon us. There are instances where that happens, but I believe in those instances, God already knows our hearts and there is a deep hunger there. By and large, the experience is God is looking for us to seek after those things. And we'll get onto that shortly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. The word earnestly means deeply, sincerely, seriously. I remember the testimony of a pastor friend of mine here in Pinelands. Um, his, his, I don't want to give too much of his identity away, but he, um, he belongs to a, a, a denominational body uh, and he has freedom to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though that that's not necessarily part of that denominational structures or, or how they would normally teach things and do things. But, um, you know, he would, he would say things like, you know, I'm fine with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and I'm okay that people operate in those things. I don't really have an issue with them, but, you know, I don't really know that that's for me. Until one day he read this verse and God spoke to him and he said, I never asked you to be fine with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I asked you to earnestly desire them. Wow. His testimony about that really struck me. It was uh, because he revealed, his testimony revealed in my heart my apathy or my complacency concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he really challenged me through that. God doesn't just desire for us to be okay with the gifts being going on around us or that it flowing in certain avenues. No, he longs for you. He longs for me to earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, what are the best gifts? Is there sort of a hierarchical order of what is the best and what is the least? And God wants us to desire some gifts over others? Well, the way I understand it, is that the best gift is the gift that is needed in that moment. <laughs> when a prophecy is needed, a prophecy is the best gift. When healing is needed, healing is the best gift. Uh, you know, perhaps even in that context, uh, Paul is talking about speaking in tongues in a corporate setting so nobody can understand you. But when you speak in a prophecy in a public setting, you're actually blessing and exhorting and encouraging the whole body. That's a better gift in that setting unless there's an interpretation. So 
this is what he's saying. But but Paul is saying, press into it, desire these things, go after them. So we've looked at the prerequisites. The first one is that we're obviously born again. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with Jesus, the baptizer. That there's a real hunger and a thirst for the baptism, for the gifts to flow and to experience God's supernatural power working in and through our lives. And the third one is faith. Faith concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit is founded upon a revelation of who he is and his ministry to and through the saints. Faith, again, we've spoken about this many times in the past, so I'm not going to press down on that one. But Paul writes to the Galatians and he says to them, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So in other words, he's challenging them here. This is not about works. This is not about earning it. Again, we've spoken about the fact that it's a free gift. But it's a free gift that operates according to our measure and our level of faith. And the greater our measure and level of faith, in other words, applied revelation, the more that faith will grow and the more our experience in that will grow. And again, I don't want to talk about faith. as I know the Bible talks about degrees of faith. Some Jesus said, how is it you have no faith? In other words, some contexts he said, are you of little faith? To the centurion said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Here's what Jesus says. He says, faith as small as a mustard seed is enough to move mountains. The other thing he said is that when you pray and when you come to God, you need to come like a little child. That's the kind of faith Jesus is looking for. Sincere, honest, pure, simple trust. And when it comes to the baptism and the gifts and the flowing in the Holy Spirit, that desire accompanied with deep and sincere trust in the person of who God is, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is what causes our hearts to open up to allow him to come in and to flow. Amen? Right, now let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember I said he comes with sweeties in his pockets. He comes bearing gifts. Let's talk about some of those gifts. And the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is not an exhaustive list. There's, um, there's other gifts that are mentioned in, in, I think it's Romans chapter 12. Uh, there's some gifts mentioned in Ephesians. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's other gifts and anointings and functions within the body of Christ. We're going to drill down on the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, that in this context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Paul attributed nine gifts to the Holy Spirit and to the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. Three sets of three. So if you look at if you look at the, 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 the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. There's also nine, sorry, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's also nine gifts of the Holy Spirit broken down into three groups of three, which is significant. God is a triune God. And so what we have is the three gifts of utterance. Utterance meaning these gifts say something. And these gifts are the, the praying in tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. So either praying in a foreign language that I don't understand, but I've got the unction and the ability, to, I'm empowered to speak, pray in another language, or to pray in a heavenly language, a divine language that nobody understands, but the Holy Spirit is praying through me. The interpretation of tongues, that can again be uh, by the Spirit. So in a, in a corporate setting where somebody speaks out in a tongue, God will reveal to either that person or somebody else within the gathering the interpretation of, what, of that tongue. What was that person saying? And thirdly, the gift of prophecy. And these gifts all say something. They speak something. And the gift of prophecy is for the purpose of edification and exhortation in the body of Christ. And then we have the revelation gifts. In other words, gifts that reveal something. A word of knowledge. Oh, it's a gift that God reveals to you something that you could not know any other way except through divine revelation. And most often this gift is used to unlock somebody's heart. So you would come into a situation 
and have an impression from the Lord and say, you know, did this happen in your childhood or did this happen in your life? How did you know that? Well, God showed me and, and he showed me because this is what he wants to do or he wants to speak into that situation. It gives you insight into a situation or into somebody else's heart and life. And that's that's what a word of knowledge is. A word of wisdom is something concerning the future. So knowledge would be the past. A word of wisdom would be a word concerning the future, perhaps guidance. And then you have the discerning of spirits. So, for example, a good a good example of this would be the woman that was following Paul around. She was she was the greatest advertisement for his ministry. She was going around, oh, this is Paul. This guy's anointed of God and all the rest. And he discerned in her what spirit she was from and ultimately rebuked her, uh, cast the demon out of her. And then who the guy who owned her came to Paul and picked up a big fuss and caused a big mess. Uh, but nonetheless, the discerning of spirits means that God will give you discernment into the heart and the motives behind what's going on or discernment of uh, demonic forces or demonic activity at work. And we see Jesus functioning in this gift prolifically in his ministry in a couple of ways, either through the casting out of evil spirits. Uh, there were other times where the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes are asking him questions and he has discernment. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're trying to do. And so that comes how that God is revealing to him in those moments. There's things that God is revealing and, and the Holy Spirit is working in that way. And then we have gifts of power, gifts that do something. And here we have the gift of special faith. That is faith that is not saving faith. And that is not a measure of faith that you sort of have to live your daily life and to risk. This is a special measure of faith that God gives you through a revelation for a specific time and purpose for a specific function to receive something, to lay hold of something for a specific purpose. So if we go back to faith, one of the analogies we used of was currency. Okay. Faith is like currency. It's the currency of heaven. It's the currency through which it's the means through which we, we receive things from God. And so if you like the gift of supernatural or special faith is special currency. It's a special payment or down payment that enables you to receive something either for yourself or on behalf of somebody else. Uh, and I mean, I think of I think of our, our building here in Cape Town that came as a result of this gift in operation. I've seen healings that have taken place that come as a result of very special faith that somebody's able to lay hold of something special on behalf of somebody else that God is able to minister and show his love and his power in somebody's life. We also have working of miracles. So for example, uh, if somebody is, is sick and we pray, there would be healing. So that's the last one. You know, there's, there's the, the, the Holy Spirit manifests himself uh, in healing. But there's other times where Holy Spirit manifests himself in the production of a completely new limb. That's a miraculous work. That's not just a healing of what is there. That's a recreation of what was never there before. Uh, there's, there's, I've heard lots of testimonies of people that have been prayed for that have plates and screws in their limbs and, and they're prayed for for healing. And suddenly these things have fallen out of their bodies. Amazing. They pick up their plates and their screws and they go and they're healed completely. That's a miraculous thing okay and so god manifested himself through the life of jesus and through the lives of the apostles in many many ways the gifts of the spirit were flowing in some instances we see that people lined the streets and just the shadow of peter was healing there was such a powerful anointing on him in other areas they were praying over handkerchiefs and sending the handkerchiefs to other people that they could touch them and receive the healing power strange miracles and they were doing these things by the unction of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Paul, there, were, there was a gift of prophecy that came on somebody and said, Paul, if you, I'm, I, he tied him up with a belt and said, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. And Paul said, I know I have to go anyways. There were times where the Holy Spirit forbid him from going somewhere through a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. There were other times where the Holy Spirit led them. We see through the, throughout the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit richly at work in the life of the church, in the lives of the believers, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were flowing prolifically. Now, I don't have time in the scope of this course to drill down on all of these gifts. I've already given you little snippets of, 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 of 
of what they all do and how they all work in a very basic and a very simple way. But the one that I do want to discuss and drill down on a little bit is the bab is the is the speaking in other tongues. You know, I've put in the notes in brackets that you could say this is a gateway gift. Perhaps that's a bit of a controversial statement. Here's why I say that. Speaking with other tongues is, if you see 4.1, is the scriptural evidence of having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me pause here for a second. To some people, that's very controversial statement. Some people interpret the 1 Corinthians 12 and the 1 Corinthians 14 writings um, to say that not everybody receives all the gifts. Some pray in tongues, others do not. I understand those in, in, the, in the context of the letter of Corinthians. Paul is writing to a church who, that is in disarray. They are functioning and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're making a real mess. It's like they're competing with one another to see who's who's the most powerful and who's flowing. In it. And it's there's a, in fact, he says in 1 Corinthians, I think it is 11 at the beginning of the chapter. He says, you know, you guys are making such a mess when you come together. You'd actually better be better blessed if you just stayed at home. Imagine somebody said to you, don't go to church. You'd actually be better blessed if you just stayed at home. They were hurting one another. They were being, uh, there was a lot of mess going on there. Everybody fighting for attention. And so Paul says, no, when you come together, not everyone's going to pray in the spirit and not everyone's going to prophesy. No, when you come together, each one has his place. Okay. However, what we see, the, the, why am I mentioning this? There are people who I respect and I love who have said, my experience was when I received the Holy, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that I didn't pray in tongues immediately. That came later. I am not going to stand and argue with somebody who says that. Why would I do that? What would I gain? And what, what point am I trying to prove? There is no point. And I don't want to limit God. And I don't want to say that your experience is genuine and your experience is not. What I am going to say is that when I read the scriptures, I see that when people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they prayed in other tongues. That was the initial experience that happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And that is the means by which they judged or they, they concluded in many other places that the Spirit came upon them. How did they know? Well, there is many scriptures that are congruent and that people are saying the same thing, that in that instance, they, they spoke with other tongues. In that instance, they spoke with other tongues. Therefore, in that instance, it doesn't specifically say that they spoke in other tongues, but it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. How did they know? If we follow the same train of thought, they know because they started speaking with other tongues. So let's look at a few scriptures to back up the point that I'm making. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the initial experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they're all together. The Holy Spirit comes like a rushing mighty wind. He comes upon them with tons of fire and they all start speaking in other tongues. And people around them are, are amazed because here they are speaking in another tongue. How could these guys be speaking our language? They're not from where we are from. They can recognize. So in that case, they were speaking another, another earthly language, but in a way that they could never have known. And the other thing that I want to highlight here is the words, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so when we talk about the baptism and the, or speaking in other tongues, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't do the talking, but the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. All right. The second chapter, the second scripture I want to look at is uh, the account of Cornelius, who was the first Gentile, the first non-Jewish person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 10, verse 45 and 46, it says, those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so Reinhard Bonker, again, he said, if we receive the same baptism, it must have the same effect. Jesus, the baptizer, has not changed, nor have his methods. All right. So 
The reason I say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, is the gateway gift, is number one, because it's the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that we have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But number two, because the next point speaks about personal edification. The more I pray in the Holy Spirit, the more I am charged up or edified in the Holy Spirit, the more I, I am attuned with the Spirit of God, the easier it is for me to flow into the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's look at some things that, that the Bible says about praying in other tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, Paul is dealing here once again with an unruly bunch of people who all just want to fight for attention and pray in the Holy Spirit and show how spiritual they are. Okay. And he is saying that in the context of a corporate gathering, when you prophesy, everybody is edified, everybody is blessed. But he doesn't deny the significance of praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. In fact, he says, I wish you all prayed more in the Holy Spirit. I pray more than you all in the Spirit. And so he says, I want you to do that. It's a good gift. Why? Because it edifies you. But when you come together, if everyone's just saying their own thing and shouting at the top of their voices, nobody is edified. It's just a big mess. Okay. Now that word edify means build up, strengthen, and promotion of spiritual growth. And the word used in the Greek is there to charge up, as you would charge up a battery. You plug your cell phone in, it gets charged up. Praying in the Holy Spirit charges up your spirit man. It, 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 it strengthens you. It edifies you. It enables you to flow and receive greater grace from the person of the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago, I was going through a rough time and I was struggling with certain things. And God told me to spend significant time praying in the Holy Spirit. I remember everywhere I was going, I was driving, I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I was my quiet time, spent a lot of time praying. I remember I went to a rugby match with my friends. <laughs> I was sitting in the stands watching Western Province and I was praying in the Holy Spirit. And everybody sort of stood up and started shouting and everything. And I sort of stood up with them and I just started praying loudly. And then, then everybody sat down. I was there, but I wasn't really there. I was giving myself over to praying in the Holy Spirit. And after about three weeks, a significant change took place in my spiritual journey, journey with God. I went to another level. Um, I don't quite know how to explain that. Another level of being able to hear his voice, another level of being able to, 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 to follow his voice. You know, God says he works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God enabled me to operate in a different level of grace after I, be, after I gave myself to praying through the scripture, edifying myself, charging myself up. And my effectiveness as a worship leader, my effectiveness as a teacher within the Bible school went to another level. So the spiritual principle is this. Speaking in tongue builds us up and it promotes spiritual growth in our lives. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you build yourself up in your most holy faith? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean only praying in tongues. It includes praying in tongues, but it, it speaks about praying spirit-led prayers. Now, we don't know what to pray for. We're going to look at that shortly as well. There are prayers that I pray with my, with my known language that I know are not from me. They are spirit-led prayers. But I want to tell you, in my personal experience, those usually come after a time of consistent prayer in the Holy Spirit. I find that I am able to tap into the heavenly realm. I'm able to, to, to receive grace and wisdom and unction from the Lord, even in my natural tongue, to pray spirit-led prayers through the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit, through receiving an interpretation or an understanding of what it is that I've been praying. Sometimes I pray for an extended period of time and there's, there's a shift in my heart, there's a shift in the atmosphere that takes place. And I know that whatever it is that I've been praying, because I certainly don't understand it, but something has shifted in the heavenlies. The Holy Spirit has used my mouth to speak words which has caused a shift in the heavenlies, which has caused a breakthrough of some kind. 
Now, where do I get that kind of thing from? I mean, if you read the book of Daniel, Daniel, Daniel prayed to God for an interpretation. And finally, when Gabriel arrived, he said, the Lord sent me the day that you prayed, but there was a spirit that resisted me. And Michael, the, the warring angel, the archangel came and, and helped me break through so that I can deliver this to you. We ought to, we've got to understand that when we are praying and in our prayer life, we're engaging in a spiritual realm that is as real as our natural realm. And it affects our natural realm. And praying in the Holy Spirit, in spirit-led prayers, enables us to, to do warfare, to, to, to give praise, to say things that are beyond our own comprehension and understanding, but allows God through us to, to, to break through into situations, to cause shifts of power and authority, even in the heavenlies, over people's lives, over our lives, over situations and circumstances. So the power in, the, in this is incredible. The power in this to shift and to change my own heart is incredible. It's one of the greatest gifts. I am so grateful for the gift of being able to pray in the spirit. Especially as I as I've come into pastoral ministry, not knowing how to lead people, not knowing what to say to them, how to pray for them, to have God and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is such a wonderful, I mean, I, I need, I lean on him and I depend on that. Now, I want to say to you that there is a difference between your personal tongue and speaking in tongues in a corporate setting. All right. Your personal tongue is your own personal heavenly language that you receive upon being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is a language with which you can communicate with God by the unction of the Spirit as and when you like. And it's yours to use as your partner with him. It's also referred to as praying in the spirit. But speaking in tongues in a corporate setting is different. Speaking in tongues in order to address an audience is only to be done as the spirit leads. In other words, there's a special unction that will come upon you. And in this setting, the Bible is clear. There needs to be an interpretation for that tongue. Otherwise, it doesn't benefit anybody. And so Paul says, you know, if there's no interpretation, don't let that person continue to speak and speak and speak and more words. No, rather be quiet. Because the Holy Spirit is not. And listen, there have been times and services that I've been in, uh, corporate gatherings, should I say, where this has flowed and there's been interpretations and it's been incredibly edifying, either for the entire group or for an individual within the group. There's been other times where a tongue has come and, and, and an unction has been felt to pray and there's been no interpretation. Why? Well, maybe somebody didn't receive it. Maybe they didn't have the boldness to speak it out. Maybe that tongue wasn't from the Lord. And, and somebody got it wrong. And it's, I want to say to you guys, if we in our hearts assume that somebody who's doing these things and, and a desiring to flow in the gifts will get it wrong sometimes, we are willing to give them a lot more grace. And I think that is good. We need to learn to flow in these gifts in a safe space. And when we learn to do anything new, we get it wrong sometimes, right? You try playing a musical instrument for the first time. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. I had a, a couple of times when Mark and I sat together. I was teaching him uh, how to play some chords on the guitar. Let's just say he got it wrong sometimes, okay, as did I when I was learning. It's new. Uh, and, and, and now I'm an experienced guitarist in terms of playing chords, and even I get it wrong sometimes, and that's okay. If there are structures and systems in place where we can deal with these things graciously and allow people to sometimes make mistakes without judging them, then I believe we have a, a, a place and an atmosphere where people can flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And finally, praying in, or not finally, praying in the Spirit, uh, praying in tongues enables us to pray the perfect will of God in mysteries. Listen to these scriptures. They're just wonderful. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is words that come out of our mouths. Sometimes it's a sigh. Sometimes it's a deep groaning that comes as, from an, as an unction from deep within, where the Holy Spirit is laying burdens on our heart and we are co-laboring and cooperating with him. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 to 11, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
Listen to that. So we speak the wisdom of God, but it's in a mystery. It doesn't necessarily mean in tongues. I understand that's not what he's saying. But let's carry on reading. It says the hidden wisdom of God, which God, which he, he ordained before the ages for our glory. So in other words, there's stuff that God intends for us to know and to walk in that we don't yet. Okay. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us by or through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Isn't that beautiful? So he's given us this gift of the Holy Spirit who prays in us and through us the divine mysteries of God. That to me is such an exciting thought. That, good, that Holy Spirit has the possibility to pray things through me that are mysterious. That I can't pray because my mind can't wrap itself around these things. But yet I can be the conduit through which those prayers can be prayed and find voice and, 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 and realization. Reinhard Bonke says, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the temple was a house of prayer. And if our bodies are temples, houses of prayer in which the Spirit dwells, then he will pray through us pure and powerful prayers reaching the throne of God. Finally, 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this. For one who speaks in, in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Isn't that incredible? For no one understands or catches his meaning because the Holy because in the Holy Spirit, he utters secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. So folks, the reason this is one of my, that, that, that I treasure this, this gift and and we should all, it's because it gives us access into a, into a realm of God's mystery, of his revelation, that we cannot access or flow in by our own understanding, by our own study alone. He brings us into something greater. And very often, he will reveal those things to you as you persist and as you continue praying in the spirit. So now let's close up with the final point, which speaks about how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, we've spoken about being a believer. We've spoken about hunger and thirst. And we're going to start on the third prerequisite in this section, which says we ask in faith. Luke 11, verse 9 to 13. And if you've got a pen, I want you to highlight certain words for me. So I say to you, this is Jesus saying, I'm saying to you. This is an instruction. Okay, I want you to kind of catch the gravity of what Jesus is saying here. I'm instructing you, my child. Ask, and it will. Highlight, underline that word will. Will be given to you. Seek, and you will again find. Knock, and the door will again, underline it, be open to you. For... Underline everyone, not some people, but everyone who asks receives. And he who knocks finds. And to him, I'm oh, sorry, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. And then he goes on in the same train of thought to say, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in this verse of Scripture, Jesus gives us a bold assurance that God desires to answer this prayer. If we're sincere and if we're really hungry and if we come in, in simple childlike faith, God says, come and ask, and, and, and God will give you this wonderful gift. This gives deep expression to the deep desire and our fervent expectancy. And like I said, God desires that we seek him and ask him. 
Another way through which, so that's the pre, that, that's how we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, another way is also through the laying on of hands. Now, laying on of hands is not a requirement for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It didn't happen in the upper room. It didn't happen in the house of Cornelius. Uh, because all God expects from us really is that we believe and that we ask. That's the first point that we spoke about. However, the practice of the laying on of hands refers to a point of contact at which faith is released. And a good example of this would be the woman with the issue of blood. Her confession was, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. In other words, when I make contact, that is when my faith is being expressed for that divine transaction to take place. For the centurion, it was different. His point of contact, in a sense, was, if you speak the word, my servant would be healed. And so he attached his faith to a different point of contact, if you like, okay? But what we do see is that this method, the method of laying on of hands as a point of contact for the release of faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and also to impart the gift of the Holy Spirit was a method that was used throughout the New Testament when ministering to those concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.17 is just one example. Then the apostles laid their hands on them one by one and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So as they laid their hands, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on them. The third point I want to say is, so what do we expect? What, what is it that we should expect when we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether we're alone in our bedrooms or whether we're in a corporate setting where somebody is laying on of hands? The first thing is we need to approach God with an open heart that's ready to receive. A heart of trust, and a heart, as, as Natasha prayed earlier on, that is open. I'm willing to put my guards down and to allow you to be God and to do what you desire in this situation. And the second thing to expect is an inward prompting from the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand this one, and I'll share my testimony with you shortly, and you guys will have a good laugh at me. You see, the first point is that you speak the words. The Holy Spirit gives the unction, but you and I have to cooperate with that unction. We flow together with him in the speaking when it comes to speaking in other tongues. All right? God is not going to take over your mouth. He's not going to do the speaking for you. But he will give you an inward unction. And as you respond to that, you will start flowing in the Holy Spirit, in the, in the speaking in other tongues. And fourthly, I want to say to you, it's not a feeling and it's not an emotion. It's a prompting. So the first thing I want to say to you is this. Well, let me, let me start by sharing with you my personal experience. My personal experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, understanding that I came out of a denominational background where I was taught that the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit were not only no longer around, in other words, that they died with the apostles, but that those who claimed to be attributing these things, even gift miracles and healings, were actually demonic. Demonic forces healing people. This is just remarkable. And, and, and for me, the Bible is actually clear on that. Jesus talks to his disciples and he says to them, you know, how can a kingdom divided against itself stand? A demon won't cast out a demon. It's, it's unscriptural. But that's what I was taught, okay? That, that these gifts, because we can't explain them and because we can't control them, they're demonic and they must be resisted, okay? I came with that kind of mindset. And so there's a lot of things that I had to kind of unlearn. Uh, I came into a church environment and I'm seeing things like this going on. But yet I see the people, they're genuine. They believe the Lord. They're walking in love. They're treating me with respect. And I'm not, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm of what I've been taught about these things. But at the same time, um, I'm not uneasy because these are, even though I can't explain what's going on. So eventually over some time, uh, I got some teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I began to understand it a little bit better. And I remember once Pastor Andreas prayed for me. There were, there were two or three occasions where I was prayed for, but there was no experience. I didn't really receive anything. And I remember, this is what you'll find funny, there was one evening where we were having an intercessory prayer meeting here at the church, and I was sitting on a chair, and Pastor Andreas prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he laid his hands on me, and I was sort of waiting there, he says, Michael, open your mouth. In other words, he, what he meant was speak, so I sat there like this, and I'm waiting, these words just aren't coming. And he, 
You know, we laugh about it now. You can laugh. I don't mind being, being the butt of the joke here. But I had this expectation that suddenly Holy Spirit was going to take over my body and make me do these things. And that's just not what happened. <laughs> However, on that same night, me and my disappointment, as people were still praying and were sort of walking around the church, praying and interceding for various things, I went and sat by myself alone on a chair. And I was sort of sitting there wondering, God, what happened? You know, what, what, you know, why didn't I receive it? I want this. I want this thing. And I was kind of wrestling in my heart with the Lord. And I got this funny thing, this funny word that came. And I still remember what it was. Kuranabash. I thought, Lord, that's just, that's just me. That's just me trying to manufacture or conjure something up here. I don't know about you, but I, my biggest hindrance was me. This is just you being stupid. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't say anything. You don't have a warm, fuzzy feeling. There's no electricity in your body. And now you want to come with Kuranabash. What on earth are you talking about? But at that moment, there was a sense that the Lord spoke to me and says, Michael, do you have faith to just believe that that could be me? I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to just trust me and cooperate with me. And it was, it was as though a loving father was just saying, oh boy, just trust me on this one, okay? Stop doubting and just go with it. And in my mind, what I did was I just began to repeat that word over and over. Kuranabash, Kuranabash, Kuranabash. Could it be you, Kuranabash? Could it be me, Kuranabash? Kuranabash, Kuranabash, Kuranabash. And eventually, as I kind of just yielded to say, all right, Lord, I am going to trust that what I am saying right now is from you. And I'm going to pray it as though you are praying a specific word or a specific praise through my mouth by your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to just trust that this is you working through. And as I did that, my Kuranabash turned into Kuranabash Ebishenendi. And to other words and other things and kind of flowed. And I'm listening to this and it's still my mind is going bonkers. That sounds Russian. Okay. That bit sounds Spanish. That sounds a little Italian. Mandarin coming in there because I'm trying to make sense of all of this stuff. I want to tell you, it took me months, months to get to the point where I realized I can't make sense of all of this stuff. But in that process, my faith grew. In that process of giving myself over to the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit, I eventually came to a place where realizing that when I pray in the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is praying and my spirit is being fruitful and I'm being edified and charged up. There did come a point in my journey with God where I no longer questioned this gift of praying in the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, that was my journey. Other people, some people I've prayed for, I've hardly touched them, and there they go. They're like a rocket. And all they go, they're praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going, well, that would have been nice for me. But anyway. And you know, all of our experiences are different. Okay. That's what I want to say to you. And what, I, and what I want to also say to you is this don't compare your experience with anybody else's. And don't be discouraged if what you experience is perhaps not what you expected or hoped it would be. Okay. You have to journey with God at your pace according to your level of faith. But there is a part that we play where God says, I want you to desire this. I want you to continue in this. Don't give up. Don't just stop. But press into this because there is a flow. There is a river that I'm wanting to bring you in. That when you get swept up and you will go to another dimension in the spirit, not only in your own personal life, but through you, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be able to do more things through you. And you are going to become a, a more powerful and effective witness for me. And through you, who knows what, what, how many people I can touch. You know, we have to understand and we have to open our hearts to the fact that Jesus himself said, the works that I do, you will also do. I want to say to you, he was not just talking to the 12 apostles. He was talking to all of us and greater works than these. What does that mean? Bigger works or more works? Well, I don't know. I don't know. More in number because there's more of us doing it? I don't know. But there is this deep desire in God's heart that he has given us his spirit as a gift through which he desires to manifest himself in wonderful and different ways that he can bless us and through us he can bless those around us. So let's conclude our lesson. 
The baptism in the Holy Spirit enables the believer to experience and live out the fullness of their salvation. It unlocks divine wisdom and empowerment for personal edification and strengthening, as well as the gifts of the Spirit for ministry to others in the power of the Holy Spirit as he prompts and leads. And so the personal application would therefore be that all of this is possible to those who develop a personal and intimate relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. One more thing I'm reminded of that I'd like to share with you. When we receive the baptism in the person of the Holy Spirit, we receive the capacity to flow in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the gift giver and the carrier of that Holy Spirit lives within us. You don't see a single instance in Scripture where John comes to a situation and goes, oh, uh, let me call Peter. He's the healing guy. I'm just the prophecy guy. You don't see that. Amen. Now, I admit certain people will flow in certain gifts more naturally. Okay. And especially when you start talking about spiritual offices, those who function in the prophetic office will function in the discerning of spirits and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy and, and tongues far more than, than healing and working in miracles. But those who are in the, the office of evangelists will flow more in words of knowledge or uh, healings and, and working of miracles and, and discerning of spirits and the casting out of demons. Why? Because that goes along with the office of that ministry. Uh, and so what I want to say to you is these gifts can work in any way and manifest as the spirit wills, as we avail ourselves to him and cooperate with him in any given situation. There is no reason that any one of us cannot have a word of knowledge for our friend who does not yet know the Lord in a given situation to unlock their heart. You see, if we're praying for them, God's going to speak to us, speak to them through us. There's no reason why we cannot go up to somebody who is sick, lay hands on them and heal them by the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. God calls all of us to walk in these things and to open our hearts, not to limit him, but to avail ourselves to him. So again, in a corporate setting, not everybody's going to do everything. And that's not what should be. We need each other. And where you are strong, I may be weak. I may have a special revelation. So for example, Siobhan had a special revelation concerning healing. Okay. And he just started going and praying for his aunties and people in his church. And they were just getting healed because he had a special revelation about that and started flowing in that gift and it got him excommunicated and in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, I flow a lot more freely in the gift of, of praying in the Holy Spirit and, and other vocational gifts, other, other Holy Spirit gifts. And I've had words of knowledge and I've given words of prophecy and I have seen people healed. Uh, and prayed for people that they've been healed. And I, there, there was one occasion where I saw, I, I, I received special faith for a miracle for somebody. It was a unique situation. I don't know how you guys are with time if you want to hear the story, uh, because these stories and these testimonies kind of, they, they serve to, to encourage us and build us up. So let me share it with you. If you're listening to the recording, then you can end now if you want to, but we're still going to get to questions. But there was one night I was at another, another church it wasn't in our fellowship and they were praying for people and they were called those who want to pray for people to be healed to come up and i felt the lord saying michael i want you to go up so i was like Whoa. so i went up and i sort of stood behind the ushers and as i stood there the lord put my eyes and my eyes fell on somebody and there was a quickening in my heart god said i want you to go and pray for that man so naturally i walked to the other side of the building the other side of the queue and, and, and sort of avoided this whole thing and stood there for a while and, you know, not me, God, I can't, can I really? And I walked back around and my eyes fell on him again and again. God said, Michael, I want you to go and pray for that man. And here's what I did. I remember just in simple obedience to an instruction from God, went over to this man and he was sitting on a chair. He had back issues. Uh, he had, you know, hip issues and all kinds of things. And somebody at that moment was holding his legs and his one leg was probably about an inch, maybe two inches shorter than the other. And that's why this guy was having all these issues. And I had an unction from the Lord just to, to lay my hand on him and say, be healed. And I remember I, I laid my hand on this man's leg and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And his leg in my hand felt like it went hard as a rock. And the next thing I looked, 
and this man's legs were now the same length. He hadn't moved, he hadn't shifted in his chair, but that man's leg had grown. Now, folks, I can't take any credit for that at all. I didn't do nothing. I was reluctant from the start. God worked a miracle through that man. His gifts of healings and working of miracles flowed, and I was the conduit on that occasion through which it worked. I want to tell you, what, what does that do to your faith? What does that do to say, God, you used me in such an incredible way? What do you think that did to my heart? I mean, that event challenged me deeply and really motivated me and really encouraged me and humbled me uh, in, in my journey and in my walk with God. Because I knew that I wasn't anything special. That didn't happen because I had prayed a lot or I had done anything. That just happened because in a moment, God gave me an unction and he gave me the boldness to follow through on that unction when I didn't have it. I want to say to you folks, that is how Holy Spirit works. One of the ways that Holy Spirit works. And I pray that as we've shared this lesson tonight, that in your heart has stirred up a hunger and a desire for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A hunger and a desire. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you, before you go to bed tonight, while these things are fresh in your heart, you go before God and you say to him tonight in the peace and quiet of your own room with your door shut. God, I'm your child. I hunger and thirst for this. This is something I want. And you say that if I ask, I will receive. And you go and ask. That's how Pastor Andreas did it. His testimony is different to mine. He didn't have a whole bunch of stuff to get over. He knelt down on his bed and he said, God, your word says I can have this. I pray for it and I'm not getting up from my bed. I'm not getting up from my knees until I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't long before he was praying in tongues and God filled that room and the presence of God was there. So I'm saying to you, God doesn't need somebody to lay hands on. Right now we're in COVID. I can't get there. I, I can put my hands on the camera, but it's, it's not the same thing. Okay? Where you are. And if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe a long time ago, and you haven't really been flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, again, before you go to bed tonight, say, Lord, I want to come back. Forgive me for becoming apathetic towards you. Holy Spirit, forgive me for offending you. Forgive me for not acknowledging you and not valuing the wonderful gift that you are to me. Come and fill me afresh. And allow his spirit to flow over you and listen and wait for his unction and cooperate and flow with him. And you may pray in the Holy Spirit and experience the peace and the power of God upon you. Maybe you need to press in more. I don't know where you are on your journey with all of this because I don't intimately know each and every one of you. But here's what I do know. God wants to bless you and wants to fill you more than you could possibly imagine. And God wants to not only bless you and fill you, but he wants to bless other people through you. Not just in, in, through a kind word, not just through a gift, but through power. Through his Holy Spirit in demonstration. And we need to kind of if I can put it bluntly, we need to get over ourselves. We need to get over our own worries about what people may think of us. We need to get over our own reservations and fears because God's not going to force these things on us. We need to come to the place where we desire these things and are willing for God as a, as a genuine disciple of saying, God, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. And trust that God will do so. God will honor that prayer. My friends, God will honor that prayer. So before, let's just close in prayer for a moment before we go to questions and comments. I know I've gone on a little longer tonight. Please forgive me for that. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. But Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, your son, Jesus, to come and show us the way to live a perfect life on our behalf and to bear our sin, to die our death and to rise again that we may have newness of life. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that when you ascended into heaven, you did not leave us alone, but you sent your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want to acknowledge you in this moment, wherever we may be. We want to acknowledge your presence among us and around us. We want to acknowledge your presence within us. Thank you that you are the seal of our salvation. Thank you that you live within our hearts. 
And Lord, I want to thank you tonight for the baptism of your Holy Spirit, that you have given us not just a small measure, but you have made available to us all that you are. I want to pray that as we've gone through our lesson tonight, that the words I've spoken, the words that come from your own words, Lord God, will burn in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would work in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. Lord, give us hunger for more of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, rekindle the fire and the desire within our hearts to not only know you as words on a page, but to experience you and the, the power that comes from your presence, to experience your Holy Spirit in a tangible way. And Lord, I want to pray for a fresh infilling for each and every single one of us as we wait upon you, as we look to you, my Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, pour yourself out over us in Jesus' name, I pray. Jesus, you are the baptizer. You are the one who gives the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that we would come to you tonight to receive a great measure. I pray for new gifts to manifest, gifts of speaking in tongues, for interpretations of tongues, for strong impressions of the Holy Spirit to release words of prophecy, of wisdom, and of knowledge, Heavenly Father. I pray, Father God, that you would lead us to circumstances through which your Spirit can manifest gifts of healings working of miracles, and even supernatural faith. Not just that we can be blessed, Lord God, but that others can be blessed through us. Lord, help us to discern what's going on around us, that we may speak words of life, and that we may deal with the powers of darkness as they manifest and as we see and, and as we come into contact with them. Thank you that you have made us citizens of heaven and that you have made us ambassadors of the kingdom of God that we may take your name in your power and by your authority into every place that we go. In the words of Paul, Lord God, may our presence not just be in eloquence of speaking, but in the power and in the demonstration of your Holy Spirit. As you work in us and through us to cause your kingdom to come, let your will be done, Lord, as it is in heaven, here on earth. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, for your unction, for this lesson, for these truths, and for what it is you have done in our hearts tonight, and for what it is that you have birthed, and will, that which will grow in our hearts following on from tonight's teaching and this portion of ministry. Thank you for everyone who's listened to this and been encouraged and blessed. And I pray you a special impartation of your spirit upon each and every one, a fresh baptism, a fresh infilling in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.